Good morning, everybody, and thank you so much for tuning into the RW. This is your host, Brandon Macy, and I am so excited to have with me today Jamie Michelle. And uh, I have been looking forward to doing this podcast. Um, we talked before the end of 2019. Yeah, yeah, and and I told you, look, you know, um, some things have recently happened that I think would be good to talk about, and uh, you just have an incredible story, and I was trying to think today how long I've known you. I think it's been, what, 15, 20 years? It's, yeah. Maybe longer than that? Longer than that, because I mean, yeah. general conferences and yeah. all kinds of stuff. Yeah, and I mean, obviously with our age gap, we didn't talk much at that time. You know, you were <clears throat> you were kind of growing up. I was already grown. We're not going to get into how old yeah. I am <laughs> on this podcast. SPKs all just kind of got together. <laughs> That's exactly right. So, but, you know, for those of, for those of you that don't uh, know you, Jamie has cystic fibrosis. And it's a terrible disease. Yeah. I mean, you know, things that, and, and of course, <laughs> knowing you has made me dig into it and, and look into the side effects and and the way it, you know, affects certain people and, and different people uh, differently and all those things. And it's just, it's it's a terrible thing. And then seeing you and all the battles that you've had through all these years, um, it's just, it's a terrible disease. CF is, yeah. I mean, to say it's terrible probably is an understatement. But um, there's just so much that goes into it that, you know, you see the outside of it. You see me coughing all day. You see when I'm tired. You see, you know, all these things that go into <coughs> coughing. Um, <coughs> sorry. Um, no, you're fine. You see the outside struggles, but a lot of what goes on behind the scenes at home when, you know, nobody's there, nobody's watching, nobody's sitting there having a conversation with you. There's so much more that goes into it that's more mental than physical. Yeah. Um, it, it takes a toll on you. Oh, I'm sure. Every, I'm, every aspect. I'm sure it does. And I can't imagine, you know, having <coughs> to live with something like that <coughs> on a daily basis. And anybody... <coughs> Anybody that has known you uh, knows that it's almost, I mean, it seems on the outside like it doesn't even affect you. Like you're always positive. <laughs> and I mean, again, I, I've been to the hospital and seen you when, you know, you were under these attacks and, and, you know, not doing as well and all that kind of stuff. And so I've seen you in those times. But like when I would walk into the hospital room, I can remember those times and you would still be smiling. You would still be, hey, you know, what are you doing? Or asking me about what was going on in my life. It's like, you're in the hospital. It's not me. <coughs> and so, honestly, it's been an inspiration to see you going through this and a battle that is an everyday battle yeah. and still having a positive outlook on life. And, we're all human, so there's no doubt that you've had down times. Oh, definitely. That, you know, there's no doubt about that. But seeing what you've gone through and seeing how you've <laughs> reacted to that um, <coughs> is honestly inspiring because I can't imagine 
being bombarded by a disease like that every day? There is, um, like I said, a lot that goes into it. But I mean, from a very young age, I was raised by a pastor and pastor's wife. So there was always the mindset of others first, Mm -hmm. regardless of how you feel, regardless of how your day's going. There are other people that have it way worse than you. Right. Um, so I look at my CF and I think, wow, I have it pretty bad, but there are other kids who don't make it to their fifth birthdays because right off the bat, they were born into liver failure, lung failure. Yeah. So if you look at the spectrum of CF and how it works, there, um, are four different, uh, what are they called? Classes, I guess you'd call them. Um, and the class one and two are the most severe class three and four are the least severe. Well, I have one of one and one of two. So you could say that I have it pretty worse than, um, most kids. Again, there are a ton of us on the earth right now, which is amazing. Um, but I, I think it all, if, if you look at it, the way I've always looked at it, it, things could always be worse. Right. So, you know, every day you thank God that, hey, I woke up this morning. Hey, this is what he's given me. Right. And it's up to me how I react to it. I can say, sure. Ugh, God's cursed me with this horrible disease. I can't stand it. I hate him for it. I wish I could just be normal. Or you could say, God, this is something you gave me for a reason. There's yes. a purpose in this. This is my testimony, which is the mindset I always grew up with. Yeah. You know, um, I was always told, you know, God gave you this so that you'd be able to reach people that any normal person wouldn't ever be able to reach. You right. can reach doctors and nurses and people that you f- that I grew up to form very close relationships with that most people would just see once and then never see again. Right. Well, and I think, I think obviously in life, our perspective is so important Yeah, because, you know, there, there are definitely other people that have diseases, cancer, Mm -hmm. you know, leukemia, like my dad had, uh, the list goes on and on and on. And some of those people have to live with on a daily basis, like you've had to live. But at some point you had to make up your mind and go, okay, Am I going to live life and go, I'm going to make the best of this that I can? Or am I going to wake up every day (laughs) and just go, life is unfair? Exactly. Because it would be very easy to fall into that and go, life's not fair. Why was I born this way? Oh, definitely. And I'm not saying there aren't days where I do fall into that mindset. Because sometimes there are days that are so much worse than others. But again, I mean, we're all on this planet for a reason right and you know we can't get to that reason or that purpose if we're just constantly questioning and wondering why we just have to deal with it and go with it well and it was one of the things that um i remember pastor said (laughs) the other day was sometimes when we go through something we look at it and we go why me yeah instead of going what does this mean and you know there's things that have happened in our lives, you know, I told a little bit of my story on one of the podcasts. 
I've had other people on the podcast that have told things about their life story, and I've heard some incredible things already. And you go, well, man, how are these people making it now? Definitely. And it's because you've got to have something deep inside of you that goes, you know what? I'm not going to allow this to beat me. I'm not going to go through every day miserable. Yeah. Um, I mean, what good is life if you don't try to make the best of it on a day-to-day basis? If you're not going to do that, you might as well not try <coughs> at all. Oh, I mean, you know, totally. If, if you're not going to try and at least work through your problems, who are you going to reach? Absolutely. If you don't, you know, get outside of your box. Yeah. Um, and, and again, just from watching what you've gone through, I mean, it's inspired me for other things. And I know that there's a lot of other people that have been close to you that have seen what you've gone through and go, how is this girl smiling? How is how is she in a good mood today when, you know, it's you are congested all the time and you're tired and it's this, you know, never ending cough. I mean, I get sick for two weeks or, or, or a week and I'm like, this is the end of yeah, the world. Just kill me now. You know? <laughs> And um, like not I, just a few weeks ago, <laughs> I had like the cough and the congestion and all that. And I'm like, this is horrible. But to have that basically all the time, all the time, every day. Um, when I was 14, I had double pneumonia, Ugh. and I remember how that felt. Yeah, and that's got to be it's kind horrible. of what you feel like all the time. I've I have had pneumonia once. Yeah. on top of the CF. Oh so I, I completely understand. It's I, rough. I can't imagine it's that. It's so rough. So, you know, for people that, that don't know a lot about cystic fibrosis, um, <coughs> you are born with cystic fibrosis. This is not something that you catch. I wish. Well, I don't wish. Yeah. You know, people think I'm no, but I get what you're all saying. the time. I get what you're saying. Um, I'm constantly having to reiterate the fact that, no, I'm not contagious. You cannot get CF. <laughs> if I cough on you, you'll be fine. Um, no, but yes. So CF is genetic. Um, it comes from both parents. So one parent can either carry it or have it. Okay. And the same for the other parent. But if you have two parents and one of them doesn't carry it or have it, the child has no chance of getting it. Um, so in my case, both my ca- both my parents were carriers. Neither one of them had it, but um, I got it. And I'm not sure if it ever, like, skips generations or how that works. Yeah. Um, but I got I, – I won the lottery with that one. You won the lottery. Um, so what happens is there's a mutation – that happens in your gene code where um, the there are sodium chloride channels okay. in your lungs that are supposed to stay open all the time. They okay. release salt so that when a normal person gets sick, that salt releases into the lungs and it breaks down any mucus or anything that you can cough up and okay. get over your cold or your flu or whatever you have. Um, but with CF, those... Um, those channels, they act like gates. So instead of being open, they're permanently closed. So all of that junk and mucus and bacteria that you get when you get sick never has a chance to leave your body. So it, it basically stays, never flushes out. Never flushes out on its own. Yeah. Um, it stays in your lungs and just hardens and creates more bacteria and just a cesspool of disgusting that we won't get into <laughs> sure. um but when you have cf and the reason i take so many medications um is because 
the uh, breathing treatments that I take go in and they break up the mucus because the sodium chloride isn't there. So I take it inhaled through a nebulizer. Now, how, how often do you have to do that? Um, well, <laughs> before I was... Yeah, don't spoil the I'm ending. not going to spoil, spoil just yet. Um, so but on so how average, often were you doing it? Let's I say it that way. I was on average doing them three to four times a day. So okay. as soon as I woke up, as soon as I went to bed, and at least once or twice during the day, depending on how I felt. And what <clears> does that really entail? Because I've seen you take those treatments before. Oh, but gosh. If we had a video, that'd be great. Um, it's so there's this vest that I wear. Um, it's a percussive vest. So two air tubes go into it. You've seen it. Uh-huh. It inflates like a life vest and it shakes you. Um, and that's essentially shaking your rib cage and your lungs and that whole upper body so that anything that is still technically loose can shake off of your lung cavity and you can cough it up. Yeah. Um, so that's that. And it takes 30 minutes. But on top of that, I have uh, about four or five on average inhaled medications that I take that also go in and break up the mucus so that I can cough it out. Okay. So on average, it takes about an hour per session. So that's an hour, hour and a half. Yeah. And you're doing that three or four times a day. And that's three or four times a day. So it's it's a lot. I mean, you don't think about it, but... When I was going to school, like all through my high school, elementary, middle school, I had to wake up even earlier than all the other kids right? because I had to get a breathing treatment in before school. Um, And that's just the respiratory side of it. Yeah. So I also have to take digestive enzymes. I have to take multivitamins. I have to take things that help me digest my food because my pancreas doesn't work the right way. My kidneys don't work the right way. Everything... Because that mucus just stays in your body. Yeah. So it's not just your respiratory mucus. It's, it's literally affecting. Literally everything. Yeah. It's your reproductive mucus. It's the yeah. mucus that travels through your body to push things along, that helps move things along. Yeah. So think of it as, I guess, your plumbing system at home. Yeah. If you get one drain clogged yeah. that's connected to the, all the other drains, they're all going to get clogged at some right, point. Right, right. So 24 years of constant clogging can create a problem. Well, and <clears throat> again, I think that's what people don't think about with this disease is that it's not just about, oh, hey, I can't breathe good. Yeah, I mean, it starts in the lungs. Yeah, but it, it, yeah it literally affects, it affects every, every organ, every part of your body. And, and, you know, you talked about this earlier when you mentioned you know, kids not making it to their fifth birthday because, mm-hmm. you know, their liver shuts down <coughs> or something shuts down. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the, that's the challenge. reality of it. Yeah. Um, and, and the challenge with this is it's not that just CF can kill you. It's the fact that. How early. It how can early. Kill you. And that yeah. it can affect something else that ends up being. Definitely. The, the, the thing that's that's the challenge. So. You know, I that's just so hard to imagine, you know, again, something something like that that's literally attacking and affecting every part of your functioning body. Yeah, um, it's 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 a lot. Somebody asked me, actually, a friend that had added me on Facebook, didn't know me from Adam. Yeah. Um, said, hey, I 
saw that you had CF. My niece has CF, and I don't really know anything about it. Um, could you could you tell me more? And coincidentally, they they have not they have they are Pentecostal. They yeah. live over. I think they live in like Ohio or something. Uh-huh. Um, <clears throat> and it's funny because he's an uncle to a four year old with CF, but has no idea because at this stage. There's so many different manifestations of it. Yeah. Like when I was four, I was living two years past when I was supposed to die. Yeah. I was diagnosed at three months old. Um, <clears throat> I wasn't supposed to live past two. They said if if I were to live till my second birthday, it would be a miracle because I was um, severely malnourished. I had failure to thrive. Um they didn't know really how much longer I had. Um, so it's it's very different to right. see the different cases um, and to see how it affects kids versus adults. Because when, when CF back in, I think, the 50s or 60s um, was first discovered, kids weren't living past... Twelve, ten, yeah. twelve, yeah. Um, because there just wasn't the medicine to get them to that point, right? Um, and so, you know, I then made it to ten, and then I made it to fifteen, and I made it to eighteen. I graduated high school, and all of these major moments that nobody ever expected me to have. Well, um, and I'm I'm sure from a physician's perspective too, oh, they're having they to make had, adjustments because yeah. it's like. Well, we didn't plan this far. We did not plan for you to be alive. Yeah. And I mean, for the whole CF community, it was a struggle when I turned, I think it was either 18 or 19. We had the conversation about transitioning into adult care. And it was a struggle for me because when I did transition, the adult clinic, they, they knew enough. Right. But at this point, they didn't, there wasn't... I don't want to say they weren't professional about it because obviously I mean, sure. their doctors are professional, but they didn't have the bedside manner, I guess you would right. say, right. that the pediatric doctors have because right. that's what they devoted their lives to right. was getting these kids to a point where they could then become adults with CF. Well, and there, if you're seeing it <coughs> on a daily basis, if you're handling that on a daily basis, but for them, it had to be new. Yeah. Because it's like, well, we just don't see many people make it. Yeah. I mean, what are the percentages? Do you know roughly what those percentages oh, are for gosh. people to make it um, as long as you've made it? I don't know the current statistics, but there was a very long time where 90% of the community um, made it to about 30 or 40 before the that was the end of it um and then as they started doing lung transplants they started realizing oh we could get another 10 15 years yeah out of this transplant if it works right um but then if rejection sets in you get five years or however many right um i think the oldest cf patient as of right now is in her 80s wow um Again, a very slight right. case right. of CF, but right. it is possible. 
Right. Um, it really, I mean, it just depends Cause on I, how it, you take care of yourself. Because it seems like I read something, and maybe this has been some time, that, that um, with the bad cases like you've had, uh-huh. that most of them don't make it into quote-unquote adulthood. Adulthood being an operative word. Um, adulthood for CF is considered 18. Yeah. If, if that. Yeah. Um, so that's what in, I, that's what I remember reading. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. But now, I mean, adulthood is sure. graduating college. It's yeah. having kids, which is another huge thing that was never supposed to happen because we of, because to. of the reproductive challenges, yes, because with the CF and the mucus for men, actually, this isn't a super common knowledge thing, but with men that have CF, there's, think a tube i'm not familiar sure um but the vast deference that a male has is never formed in utero so they never they produce enough to have kids sure but doesn't ever actually make it out so ivf is usually their only option and i'm i mean of course it's expensive beyond belief um but with some women, the reproductive mucus is too thick, so yeah. it doesn't move, and you can't produce enough or long enough, I guess, um, to have a kid. Um, yeah. So artificial insemination, IVF, have all been huge aids to the CF community, but at what cost? Right. Well, and again, we're talking about challenges that are really, you know, outside of the disease, but are affected by the disease, yeah. no doubt. And, and again, that's what is so incredible to me is those, you know, I mean, how it just affects your entire body and you're not able to function, you know, on many aspects. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I know that you've had some unbelievable challenges and milestones along the way I wanted to talk about a couple of those because um you've had some recent amazing things happen so we'll end with that I don't want to get there yet but I want to talk about because again those of us who have been (coughs) here along the way have seen you uh go through things where it was like she may not make it yeah I mean that's happened more times than I can count Yeah, in the years that I've known you that literally it was like, we don't know if tomorrow's, if she's yeah. going to be here tomorrow. Um, the past, so I want to say we've been at Royalwood now for nine years. It, I think. Yeah, I think um, so. And we came to Royalwood. Um, so you would have been what, 14, 14, 13, 15. 15. Yeah. Um, it was like a harder time in my life. I'm sure a lot of people know that. Um, but for most CF patients, um, puberty is the time where you either make it or break it. Um, depending on how sick you already were, you can either go downhill immediately or you can kind of plateau and just cruise. Is it because those changes cause other issues? That and upon recent discussion with my mother, 
just the pure stubbornness that a teenager has that they just don't want to listen. They don't want to do what they're told. Well, and I mean, obviously you making it this long has had to do with that stubbornness. Some self reflection, (laughs) a a lot of self reflection along the way. Um, I will be the first to admit that I was not a very good adolescent patient whatsoever. But you had, but the thing is though, is that, and again, you know, sometimes we look at these things in our life like stubbornness, for yeah. instance, and we look at that like this is a horrible thing. But when it's put to good use, like it has been with you, I mean, Jamie, when I see you, it's like she just refuses to allow this <laughs> to affect her. I and, mean, and, you have to, though. And but it's but it's that same it's that same stubbornness though, where you just go, I'm not going to let this exactly. get me. And so, you know, I think so many times in life, whether it's something like that, hard-headedness, whether it's impatience, no matter what it is, if we take that thing and use it for good use. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, you can change the world. Yes, and it's yeah. about perspective. Sometimes we look at things in our life and we just go, oh, I wish I was different. I wish I was more, you know, calm like this person over here, or I wish I was more melancholy, or I wish I was more this, or, or whatever it may be. But if we take ourselves and go, no, wait, this is who I am. These are the things I have, and I'm going to put them to good use. And that's what you've done. I mean, again, I've seen you get down to where you've lost weight and Mm -hmm. you've gotten, you know, I I mean, I would see you and you would be white as a sheet. Yeah. And I would know that you weren't feeling well and you would be smiling. (laughs) And, and, and And I would sit here and just go, why? There's no way this disease can defeat her you are like, not supposed to be this happy right now she's she's just too resilient and so you know as much as we can look at that and go well yeah i was stubborn growing up it's that same thing it's the same stubbornness that that has gotten got you where you are right now Yeah, and i have yeah. that conversation with myself at least once a day um because i mean who doesn't sure. i wish i wasn't sick i wish i was taller i wish i was prettier i wish i had this i wish i had that But then you have to step back and you have to realize, you know, if I didn't have CF or if I was prettier or if I was this or if I was that, I wouldn't be me. Right. I mean, I I wouldn't be where I am today. Right. I mean, I people ask me all the time, do you have any regrets in life? And I stutter. But then I say no, because everything I've done, everything I've had to go through has gotten me to this point, standing here where I am today, regardless of how low I got regardless of you know how hard things were i'm here i'm standing i'm alive healthier than ever um but i wouldn't have gotten here if those mistakes or those hard times hadn't been you know just pushed through what was one of the hardest times that you remember and recall going through all of this um the most challenging i think the most challenging definitely was when it became a reality for me. Like yeah. when I knew the very first time this, this could be my, this could be my time. Yeah. Um, I had just, uh, no, I think I was, I want to say I was 17. Um, it was, I, I, I want to say I was 17 or 18. I can't remember. Um, but I had just gotten 
um, one of my, I think it was my first portacath. And for those of you who don't know what a portacath is, um, it's it's a permanent IV that kind of just stays in your body. Yeah. Um, and you have to take very good care of it because it can get infected or you know, and it's it goes straight to your heart. Right. So I mean, the smallest thing could ruin it. Right. Um, and I remember waking up. I had already graduated, so. But I graduated a year early, so yeah, I guess I was 17. Um, I was taking one of my very first college courses, and I woke up that morning, and I didn't feel very well, but I thought, it's CF, like, (laughs) I never feel well, I'm fine. Um, So I went to school, I came home, and I still, it just, there was something, something wrong. Um, So we went to the Minute Clinic, like, right down the street. Right. And they did some blood work and everything looked okay. Um, So they sent me home. And a few hours later, they call us and they say, hey, where are you at? Um, We're at home. Is is everything okay? They said, no, get to the ER right now. Um, Something came back in your blood work that we're not too sure about. So you need to get it looked at there. Yeah. So, I mean, and still That's at the time, you want to hear, <coughs> yeah. oh no, definitely yeah. not. Um, and at the time I was still, I was, I mean, I was feeling okay. I was rough, but again, it's CF, like that's every right. day. Right. Um, and it was God, uh, it, completely God. Um, by the time we got, which it's a 45 minute drive from the house to the hospital. Um, by the time we got to the hospital and got into the ER, I was barely conscious and I was gray, as uh, as gray as this chair. Um, they ran more blood work, and it turned out that I would I, I had gone septic, oh, and yeah. my body was shutting down. I mean, organ by organ. Um, I was in the ICU for uh, weeks. Um, but the I, re- way, I remember that this. was the very yeah, first I remember time when that this happened. we freaked out. Yeah. Um, they immediately had to take out the port, but what was scary was that they, in order to take out the port as a minor at a children's hospital, you have to be put to sleep. Um, and with any surgery procedure that a CF patient goes through when they have to be sedated. I'm sure that's dangerous. It's very dangerous because, you know, they shut down your lungs for however long. Um, and they were genuinely concerned that I was not going to wake up. Yeah. Um, so they had me on the breathing machine and everything. Um, they said, you know, we're going to put her on it, but there's no guarantee she's coming off. Yeah. Or if she'll even wake up. <clears throat> um, and I, I mean, I was, I, I think I was unconscious for days. I mean, I remember people coming in and visiting, but I can't remember having an actual conversation with anybody. I just always heard people talking to me and telling me I'd be okay. And I, there's pictures, uh, it, I get emotional even thinking about it to this day. Um, but it was weeks before I came out, and I just remember thinking, "This that I, yeah, this is it. Yeah, like, I there's no coming back from this." Right. Um, and that was when I want to say everything really started going downhill because yeah. once your body takes a blow like that, you never fully recover. Right. Um, and so I want to say the next time. Well, it seems like you had, after that happened, because I remember when that happened, Yeah, that you had some other scares after that. Yeah. And 
I'm sure, like you said, that was because you your body had recovered. taken this blow, and then you had another challenge. Because I remember there was, wasn't there a time after that that you were in ICU for a little yeah. while? Um, there was. Or two other times. There, there were, I've been in ICU many times, but there was another time where, again, it was we, really bad. We didn't think I was going to make it. Yeah. And I just, well, I mean, I was conscious for a few of those. And I just remember laying there thinking, God, please just let me make it out of this one yeah. more time. Yeah. Let, I mean, I, I remember having conversations with my mom about my siblings where it was just the two of us laying in bed. And I said, you know, if I die, I, 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 I there's nothing I can leave for them or I can't, I mean, I don't have a will. I don't have anything like that, right. but I want to, I want to know that they'll be okay. Yeah. Because at the time, I mean, I wasn't, I was 18, I was 19. Right. Um, and you don't know how to explain that to at sure. the time, an eight-year-old and a 14-year-old that, you know, your sister may not be coming home. Right. Um, so it was hard because I'm the oldest. And so they would lose, you know, yeah. their big sister. Yeah. Um, so and I mean, and those of you that know Ethan and Will especially <laughs> know that they need a big sister. They definitely need a big sister. <laughs> um but I mean, even my parents, like, yeah. my mom, um, for those of you who don't know, I was adopted. Uh, my mom adopted me at a very young age. Uh, she was 21 and already had a two-year-old. Um, so we, I mean, we grew up together and she's always been my best friend. Um, and I, I, I couldn't imagine yeah. not being able to say bye to her or tell her I love her one more time or um it's a lot to think about as a kid you know sure um so it's it's definitely and it's happened again in the past year so yeah now and and I again I can't imagine that and having you know at the rate that you had to grow up you (coughs) don't have the typical childhood because oh, you've got definitely not. these treatments, you know, you've got months where you're in the hospital at yeah. times. I mean, what's the longest hospital stay? I think the longest hospital stay I had was like a month and a half. Yeah. So, <clears throat> so you're talking about, you know, six, seven and weeks that's consecutively. Yeah. Six, seven weeks in the hospital. Sometimes that being over holidays, mm-hmm. um, you know, sometimes, you know, having to miss things that you don't want to have to miss. Yeah. I mean, all these things, uh, and again, I'm not trying to bring those things back, but it's the reality of what you've had to go through and the rate that you've had to, to grow up and kind of handle things, like you said, like having to think about at the age of 18, 19, I, I don't want to leave my siblings behind. Yeah, like I, a- that's, that's a lot. That's a, that's a big burden to carry on top of what you're having to carry with this disease on a daily basis. Yeah, it's a very harsh reality. And, I mean, that is the biggest part of it, is having to deal with the death so early and have to understand and explain death to yourself and to others. Yes. Because nobody thinks, like, 
oh, I'm going to live and I'm going to have kids and I'm going to graduate right. and I'm right. going to have grandkids. And right. But then someone living with a chronic terminal illness has to realize that may not happen. Yeah. And you have to plan your life around that instead of your long-term goals. You have yeah. to focus on short-term goals and how you can achieve those as soon as possible, as fast as you can. Yeah. And that's not always the best way to live. But, I mean, if you want to have a full enough life sure. in the time you have, then... It's it's definitely not, like you said, the the way that... Um, that that we're living where it's like oh I have where am I going to be at 40 yeah you know it's it's where am I going to be at 20 <laughs> yeah yeah well and it's it's a it's a different way of facing life yeah. you know it really is and and going and to me Jamie the the other part of that is also going you know where where some people feel like they have all this time to experience all these things to also go, but I'm also going to have morals. I'm not just going to go out there and just throw everything away. I'm going to try to live my life in a wholesome way that's pleasing to God. And and I'm going to be a servant and do all these things that you have done when most people be like, I don't know how much life I have to live, so I'm going to go out here and party it up. Yeah, I mean, you haven't done that. And to me the discipline that you've exhibited exhibited to not do that is also um it, it is also inspiring to me because i think a lot of people in your shoes wouldn't look at it that way they would go well man if this is you know yolo yeah, and then for they're, real. They're, they're they're off right but you haven't done that you've literally tried to go well i still want to be principled i still want to do these things and that has to be tough when you also have these other challenges going, yeah. well, you don't know how long you're going to be here. Why I waste mean, it? Yeah. Why waste that yeah. time? You know? So <laughs> to me, that speaks volumes to who you are as well, because it would be very easy for you to use that as an excuse. Yeah. And we see that a lot in life where people go through things and they end up using that as an, as a crutch mm-hmm. for the rest of their life to go, well, but I have this disease, yeah, so definitely. I can do whatever I want. I'm a princess. You got to serve me. I mean, <laughs> how many times, seriously, do we see that kind of stuff on social media? Oh, I come across it all the time. Where people use excuses and things that have happened and in life. Dumb, yeah, little tiny excuses yeah. that and, and are incomparable. And, and for you, <laughs> the the disdain that has to come from you oh my, at times oh, when you just have to go. Gosh. I'm gonna have to zip my lips right now. You think you've had a hard there day? There are so many times. Like, <laughs> I, I was just at the CF clinic, and it still amazes me because I I'm required to talk to a social worker every few months. Okay. Um, and the last time I talked to her, she was asking me like, "Do you smoke? Do you drink?" And my first thought was, well, obviously not. Like, I have enough issues as it is already. And her response was, oh, wow, really? Yeah. And I was just puzzled because, like, I mean, I have liver issues that didn't come from drinking. I have lung issues that didn't come from smoking. I'm not going to add to that list. Sure. She was like, well, you would be surprised at how many CF patients do smoke and do drink and do just go out and they don't take care of themselves and they don't take their medication. And they, and I'm sitting here thinking, 
if I knew that I didn't have the time, right? which I mean, I do, I do know that I don't have all the time that a normal person would, I feel like they're throwing it away faster right? by doing that on top of having CF than I am just living my life, and minding being, my own business. And being irresponsible with exactly. those days that they have. Like who, yeah. I, it's literally incomparable to me how people can do that to themselves. So, I mean, I have family that smoke and so, sure, but sure. I, it's, you take it with a grain of salt, right? It's like, well, and for, for you, you've got to go, man, if I had perfect lungs, you know, the good the care times I have mumbled that, that I would take care of underneath my lungs. breath yeah. in their presence yeah. Is, yeah. is innumerable. I'm sure. <laughs> well, and, and I, you know, again, we could probably talk a lot about your thought process and how, I mean, I imagine everything that you face kind of comes from the perspective of I don't have all the time that I yeah. want. And and so I'm sure that plays into a lot of things. I do want to talk about kind of what's happened in the last, I guess it's been a couple years now. How long has it been since you were on the donor list? So a couple years sounds about right. But it's actually it only been, been a year. It's been a year. Okay. Start to finish. Okay. Well, uh, so, 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 you know, we, they were, they were taking a look at everything and it was like, okay, look, if, if we're going to, if she's going to move forward, then the now. only way that we're going to be able to do that is to do a lung transplant. So yes, last Christmas we were again at the, at the, the standstill where we said, okay. She doesn't have a year. Yeah. Um, so I was in the hospital for, uh, for, for, for about, a, I think, yeah, about a month. Um, started right before Christmas. I was in for Christmas and I got out right before New Year's Eve. Um, but in that time they said, okay, we don't know how much longer she has. Her CF has taken another turn for the worse. If we're going to move on with transplant, we need to do it now. Yeah. And get this ball rolling immediately. But um, I should preface that transplant was never an option for me. Yeah. In the 23 years at the time that I had been alive, um, I was either too sick or I wasn't sick enough. Yeah. Um, so I was never, there literally has to be like there, this perfect, there's that perfect balance. sweet spot yeah. right there in the middle that I just was never able to obtain. Um, and so in the months prior to that, I had taken a lot more responsibility for what I was going through. Um, my blood sugars and everything had really started to level out. I was at a very good balanced place. Yeah. Um, Coincidentally, it was just where I needed to be. Yeah. Again, all God's timing. Um, so when I was discharged from that admission, we started the process um, of getting me listed in January. We went for multiple rounds of testing, and I was officially listed April of 2019. So that started this whole process which is a hard thing to even get on that list you have to qualify you have to have certain numbers and it's a lot I I mean we were at the hospital for days on Mm -hmm. end 
for all day. Testing, twelve and testing hour days. And testing, yes. Yeah. Um, it was. Oh, I mean, just that was exhausting. Yeah. Um, so when I originally, when I tell you this whole process was nothing but God's timing. There, I mean, there is no other explanation. Yeah. Um, because when I started the process in April. Cool. January. Um, we had to do all of the testing, which comes together at the end to get your final lung allocation score. Right. Um, and in order to get a transplant relatively soon, you have to be um, between 39 and 45. Um, so, no, no, no. I got that wrong. The highest, like, is the the highest average is like thirty nine forty. And you're talking about lung functionality, lung, right? Well, no. Or so lung functionality is a whole nother okay, round of okay. tests um, that were significantly low, yeah. um, like twenty thirty percent lung function. Yeah, which is not good at yeah, all. No. Um, but the lung allocation score is what tells you how long it's going to take you to get your transplant how serious okay. you are, how prioritized you are on the list. Um, and so they were expecting my number to be about a 35 to a 40. And if it's 40 and above, you can get your lungs in a matter of weeks. Yeah. Um, so that's, I mean, you're pretty severe. Sure. They don't give you much longer. Um, and my score ended up being a 41. Oh my goodness. So I was right there. Yeah. Um yeah. so when they gave us the number they said keep your phones close. You have 2 3 weeks tops like max that it's going to take for you to get your lungs. Yeah. So which is a huge challenge. Which is a huge because challenge. There's, you know, we yeah. had to set up a fundraiser. We had yeah. to we sold shirts. We have yeah. the fundraiser still here that Yeah. I've yet to know what to do with. Um, but but not only from the money point. Just everything. Is, is the mentality just, of being able yeah. for some, being ready for something and, like and that. And even if you get the lung transplant, it doesn't mean that... Yeah, it's not a cure. It's, it's, it's not, not a automatic done deal. survival because yeah. they're not your lungs. Right. You know, you could reject them in a matter of minutes yeah. after yeah. a lung transplant. So not only do you have to mentally prepare, you have to physically prepare, you have to financially prepare. And if you only have three weeks, I mean, you got to get moving. It's not much time. So we did as much as possible. Um, So three weeks pass and then another three weeks pass and I get put in the hospital. So my number goes up a little more. So we're thinking, hey, higher the number, the closer we are to lungs. Um, couple more weeks go by. I get out of the hospital. My number goes down. I go back into the hospital. My number goes up, goes down. And here we are. Complete roller coaster ride. Complete roller coaster. Mentally, your emotions are everywhere. I I was a wreck. When I tell you every emotion in the book, I was happy. I was mad. I was sad. I was anxious. I was nervous. I was every... It was horrible. Yeah. Um, but in the best way, because again, the excitement trumps the nerves any sure, day. Sure. Um, so six months pass by, and we're in October. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, and they're saying, look, we don't know why you don't have your lungs yet. You were supposed to have your lungs months ago. Yeah. So, you know, in the meantime, we had been praying, like, God, this is what you've promised us. This is what we're waiting on. Like, what right. more can we do to show you that we're ready, that this is, right. you know, this is what we've been praying for for so long. Why isn't it happening? And I hate to admit that I definitely doubted God. Sure. A lot. Sure. In that process. Um, and not because I didn't think he was going to be able to do it. It's yeah. just I doubted myself. Therefore, doubting, you know, my walk with God. Have I not done enough? Am I not strong right. enough in my right. walk with God that he thinks I I'm don't not worthy, this. that yeah. I don't deserve? Sure. You know? um, so I got into a very dark place for a very long time. Um, and again, I came to church and I smiled. Because you, you never want anyone to think... Oh, there's something wrong with right. her. She's she's struggling because right. she's not happy all the time. And in my case, that's exactly what people thought. Like, oh, you okay? You good? Um, and I said, yeah, I'm good. But I mean, all the time I was praying, God, make me worthy. If right. that's what it takes, if that's what's wrong, you know, just just give me a sign, tell me what to do. Yeah. Um. And so. We prayed, we had faith, we just said, okay, you know, God, it's, it's your timing, it's whatever you want. Right. Um, so I don't know if we're transitioning into this next part of the yes, conversation. Yes, please, please. Um, so my birthday, it's October 24th, I turned 24, um, two weeks before my birthday, well, about a month before my birthday, actually, they called and said, hey we have this new medication that is coming out. It's supposed to be incredible. It'll prolong, you know, it'll it'll take care of you until you get to transplant. So yeah. just take it until they call and then you're good. Yeah. Um, we were nervous because we had heard mixed sure. reactions, mixed reviews. It hadn't been approved by the FDA yet. It was still very much a test run trial drug it's a real roll of the <coughs> dice with something like it, that it's definitely like, especially yeah. with something that hasn't been fda approved um so i fought hard i fought so hard and i was like you know i just don't i don't know what if it makes me worse and then right. i get sick and right. i don't make it to transplant because this stupid drug killed me and what do we do now right um so we prayed about it again. I feel like that's all we've done for the past year is just pray, 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 pray. Um, I just prayed, God, if this is your will, you know, this. Yeah. if it's going to help, then let's go ahead and do it. I, wanna, I want as much time as I possibly can have. Um, and if this is going to condition me, to be even healthier once the transplant comes, because that's another big thing is you right. have to be as healthy as possible going into transplant to make sure that your to body make sure can you're healthy coming and, out of it. Right. Um, so that was another condition that I said, okay, you know, if this is going to get me there, then let's do it. Right. Um, so two weeks later they call and they say, Hey, the drug's here. You're going to be one of four in Houston. Mind you, they're like 30 something thousand 
people in Houston, I think. I may have totally butchered that number just now. That have CF. Um, Maybe in Texas that have CF. Yeah. But there are like 200, 300 in the immediate Houston area Yeah. that have it that are at my clinic. Okay. Uh, there's clinics all over so Texas. So you're going to be one of four. I'm going to be one of four of two, three hundred. Yeah. So that's a big deal. Absolutely. Um, the only downfall was that because I was in that four, it meant that I didn't have much longer. Right. And the drug wasn't going to be approved until March. Okay. So they didn't think I was going to make it till March. This was in October. Yeah. So it kind of put into perspective that they hadn't exactly been telling me the truth. Like, right. I had a lot shorter right. of a period than that original year that right. we thought I had. Um, so that hit me really hard. Um, it was a punch in the gut, definitely. But two weeks after that, so I had started it. Um, and then in the next two weeks, I had to do a follow-up. And after 14 days of that drug, my lung function had gone up significantly. Um, I think they had only estimated it to go up about 10, 15%. Yeah. It went up 26%. Oh, my God. So that was a whole thing in itself. Yeah. I had gained like 10 pounds, which in five years, I hadn't gained or maintained five pounds. Right. So it was a big deal. Um, so that was in itself a miracle. Yeah. Um, so then a month after that, I guess it would be six weeks so six being weeks, on the yeah. drug, um, my lung function went up another like 3% or something. Yeah. And I gained another 10 pounds. Yeah. So I was at the goal weight I had been trying to get at for like four years. There, yeah. the, being on a feeding tube, I should have been gaining that weight right? without any issues. Right. And I just wasn't gaining. But after six weeks of a pill, I'm automatically... That's amazing. It, there are so many things about this story that... Um, that we would have to do like three podcasts I, to, do, to mean, get into all so of it. So just pointing out the big stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, So that was six weeks. And then I went in a month after that. And I finally kind of hit a plateau where everything was leveling out, um, which I'm completely happy with. I'm yeah. plateaued right now. I'm good. I haven't lost any weight, but I haven't gained any. But I'm at my goal weight, so they're okay with it. Yeah. Um, so how long have you been on that medication now? Uh, October, November, December. So three. So almost three months. Almost three months. Next week. It'll be three months. Okay. Um, and they ran my liver numbers, which they hadn't done before. Yeah. Um, the last time they ran my liver numbers, I, because of CF, you have a fatty liver, which is common in like all right. CFers. Um, but I was starting the process of going into liver failure, which is, again, after a lung transplant, you usually need a kidney or a liver, and you just go down the line. Yeah. Sorry. Um, so they re-ran my liver numbers, and my liver numbers are back 
at a completely, not a CF completely normal level, like a what your liver numbers would be normal. That is amazing. So a person without CF. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, So that was that, which was great. Yeah. Enough good information for that one visit. Yeah. But then this actually, we haven't talked about this live anywhere, not even on like our videos on Facebook or anything. Um, So that appointment, they had just gotten back from like a big press release conference about the drug. Um, And prior to them going to that conference, we had talked about talking to transplant team and trying to figure out where we go from there. Yeah. Um, Because at the time I had gained the 10 pounds. So another 10 pounds was great. Another 20% lung function. Great. What do we do now? Right. Do we need transplant? Do we pause transplant? Do we see where we are in a few weeks? What, you know, what do we do? Right. And apparently they had forgotten to talk to the transplant team. This was, you know, two, three weeks later. And um, so they're at the conference. They're getting everything done. So they come home. We go in for our next clinic appointment. And we're talking to the doctor. And she's telling us about the conference and everything. And she just stops, stops in her tracks, like mid-sentence. Yeah. And goes, oh, my gosh, we haven't told you yet. And I'm thinking, oh, God, like, what possibly have you not told me at this point (laughs) that we need to know? Right. Um, So she, I mean, it's me, my mom, and my grandma, and we're all sitting there. And she says, okay, now, this is off the record, because technically I'm not supposed to be telling you this, but when we were at the conference... Yeah. Something and she's a doctor. She's I don't I I don't think she's religious. If she is, she she is. Um, but I wanna say she's not. She goes, There was just something in me that kept telling me there was something wrong. Something wasn't right. Yeah. Just and I kept brushing it off because we were busy. We were trying to get things done. But every few hours, it would just come creeping back up on me. Something isn't right. And she said, every time I immediately thought of you because we're a thousand miles away. What if they call you for transplant and we're not there? What do you do? Right. So we're thinking, okay, get on with the story. (laughs) And and she goes, um... So I called Dr. Bartow, which is yeah. the, the head CF doctor of okay. in Houston. Um, and we realized that we hadn't talked to the transplant team yet about what to do if you got the phone call. So she calls and the, I mean, she leaves the conference or whatever, um, goes outside in the hall, calls the transplant team and says, hey, um, I just wanted to let you know we're out of town. We're doing this conference. We're not going to be in town if Jamie gets her call. Right. So we just need to figure out a game plan, what we need to do from there. And he goes, wait, what? And she says, Jamie Sanders, she's on the list. She's started Trikafta. We need to, she's doing very well. We just need to know what we need to do. Do we want to pause her? Do we want to? just have them call and her go in. 
and he says, um, <clears throat> Jamie, you're, you're calling about Jamie Sanders. And she says, yes, we're calling about Jamie Sanders. Like, what, what don't you get? Yeah. And um, he then tells her that as she's calling him, they're calling him, telling him that they have a set of lungs for me. Yeah. At the same time that she's called to tell them we don't want the lungs, give them to somebody else. They're calling and saying, hey, we're ready for her. We have them. Wow. So after all this time. After six months of just. Yeah. Why isn't this happening yet? Again, God's timing. Uh, uh, so going back, I got the drug in October on this compassion release program. Yeah. Um, it wasn't supposed to, like I said, wasn't supposed to be approved till March. Right. It was approved three days after I started it. That's incredible. And what we didn't nothing know, nothing moves that fast. Nothing moves that fast yeah. when you want it to. Yeah. What we didn't know at the time was that because I was on that compassionate release program, I will never have to pay for the drug as long as I live. That's amazing because I know from stuff that my dad's had to be on with it's leukemia expensive. that it's majorly expensive. This Talking about hundreds of thousands yeah, of dollars. This yeah. one drug, it's three pills a day, Yeah, every day for the rest of my life. Yeah. For a month's supply, it is $311,000. Oh, that is So if I were to lose... And you will never have to pay for it ever. Ever. So if I were to lose insurance... That is amazing. I would have had to pay even some kind of out-of-pocket deductible. But because I was on that program, even if I lose insurance, the that company is that developed it will send it to me for free forever. That is unbelievable. It, and... On top of that, <laughs> you're not going to have to have a lung transplant. Is no, that right? They yeah. said that there is a possibility, but it won't be if and when I do need it. Yeah. It, because the damage has already been done. Sure. Um, I won't need a transplant if I ever need one for another 20, 30 years. That um, is unbelievable. So it's everything that has happened. I can look back now. Yeah. And say that's why they didn't call. Yeah, this is why I didn't. That it took so long to get approved. And when and when you're in the middle of that, you know, I, God, I've said this so many times. We've talked about this on the podcast with other situations. Is that it's so easy? You know what the saying is: if you hold a quarter up close enough to your eye or or a dime, that's all you can see that you <clears throat> can block out the sun. Yeah. Something so huge. And we end up getting things so close to us sometimes that we can't even see the big things that yeah. are happening. And you're so focused in on that one thing, you don't see what's happening around you. Yeah. And, and and the incredible thing is, I mean, literally before our eyes, we've seen you completely transform. Like you can see that you're healthy. It's not just like it's not just like, oh, the doctor told me I'm healthy. I mean, you can see it. Your coloring is there. You're singing. I'm singing I mean, again. I, you know, I was there when you tried out recently for a song, and I, I literally had to hold back oh. tears because I was thinking about all all of this time and all the things that you've gone through, 
and then to see that you're able to do that now and you know live live a normal life and be healthy and be there for your family and be there for your siblings and be involved and go to school. I mean, yeah. you were in college today. I was, I, oh gosh, And college something that you haven't been able to do. is a whole nother story. You know? Um, but, but all these things, Jamie, that undeniably we know has been God's hand on your life. Yeah. And... There's no other way to say it. The timing, everything that's happened when they were supposed to call, they didn't. You look at it and go, oh, this is a bad thing. And God's going, just hang on. I've got a better plan. I've got something better for you. I'm going to make it where you don't have to pay for things forever. I mean, it's undeniably God. It's like you said, it is undeniable. And every time I look back and I think about it, that's the only word that comes to mind is you can't deny what God did yes. for me, for my family. Whatever angle you look at it from. Absolutely. There he was. I mean, whether he was 50 feet away or he was standing right over my shoulder, he was right there, no matter what. Well, and, you know, your story, what you've been through, you can share with other people. And I, I've said this on other podcasts, but... We'll never know what God can do if we haven't talked about what he's done. Exactly. And you have this circle of people being other CFers, other people that are going through that with family members that you can talk to, that you can be a strength to, that you can speak to those hard times, that you can say things that no one else can say. <laughs> nobody I mean, would know. Nobody's going to know what it's been like to go through this for 24 years and you can speak to those things and be a help to people. And again, we have to look at what's going on in our lives and not go why me, yeah. but go what do I do with this? Because it's been for a reason. It's obviously for the glory of God Definitely. because that's where we are now. But there were times that we didn't feel that way. There were times you didn't feel that way, and yet here you are. Um, I want to have I want to have you back on because there's I know so much more to all this that we can talk about, and I want to circle back around and do that. But where can people go to see your videos and stuff like that that you post? Um. Okay, so there are a few different outlets. I have a Facebook page. Okay. Um, it's called Jamie's Roses. There's also an Instagram page, Jamie's Roses. I have a blog that I kind of dabble with. Um, I can. I don't really have a link to that, but the two huge forums are Instagram and Facebook. So we, if they go there, I'm sure they can find oh, your blog. They can find and, all and the videos, all the testimonials yeah. from other CF patients. We're yeah. constantly posting and reposting um, comments and posts that other CFers on Tricapta have been able to share their testimonies and how Tricapta is helping them and working for them. And it's a beautiful thing to see something that we never thought yeah was ever gonna happen Absolutely. i mean the whole time i was growing up it wasn't about oh she'll get the cure it's make sure she lives long enough to see a cure yeah and which was always a great thought but we never would have thought it would become a reality absolutely and so living it and 
actually not only just seeing it from afar, but being a part of it yeah. is an incredible thing, not only for me and my family, but for the whole community. Um, they said that kids being born with CF now will never have to deal with what I had to go through. That's the past so few amazing. Years. They'll never deal with the weight loss. None of yeah. it. Cause they'll have this drug from the start. And it's incredible to see a whole generation that will never have to deal with this is going to kill my kid. Right. And what you've gone through and what, you know, challenges that brings for family and everything else. Your story is amazing. (laughs) And again, we could sit here and talk about all the other things because I know that there's been other things that have gone in your life that have been challenges along with this. And I want to thank you for taking the time to share your story. I mean, you know, sitting here listening to you take deep breaths, you know, not be coughing the whole time because there were times that we would talk that it was like you couldn't hardly hold a conversation. Yeah, because you couldn't breathe. On a good day with Trikafta, just want you all to know that I there are days I wake up and I don't cough all day. Right now I'm getting over a cold. Yeah. I'm still congested a little, but there are days where I don't cough at all. It's amazing. I'm sleeping through the night. I have all the energy in the world. It's like, yeah, it's incredible. Like It's indescribable. I wake up feeling like a completely different person. Yeah. Well, again, those of us that know you, you look like a different, I mean, you can tell, you know, I can remember seeing you and be like, I could tell you hadn't slept and that yeah. you were tired and that you were lethargic, even though that smile was there. I could, I could tell that. And just seeing how healthy you are and everything, it's it's amazing. So to those of you that are listening to this podcast, first of all, go on and follow Jamie and the remainder of her story on Facebook and Instagram and see those videos. And, and you can see pictures going back of where you've been and where you are now. So you're going to want to check that out. Um, and hopefully that you can gain hope from this because whatever you're going through, it's your perspective that makes the difference. It's the way you face that thing on a daily basis where you go, this is not going to conquer me. I don't care how I was born. I don't care what's going on. I am going to use my stubbornness to make sure that this thing does not beat me down. And that's what you've done, Jamie. So thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you, everyone, for tuning into this podcast. Remember that we are launching this every other Tuesday, first, third, and fifth Tuesday of every month. Go on Facebook and follow us at the RW Podcast, Instagram at the RW Podcast underscore, and like, share this with somebody that can help them, and have a great week. Thank you very much, Jamie. Thank you. All right, guys. Have a good day.